It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. It's basically the FBI's greatest fantasy come to life. Owning and operating an encrypted communications company exclusively used by some of the world's most hardened and organized criminals. Criminal organizations purchased and distributed Anum devices in an effort to secretly plan and execute their crimes. But the devices were actually operated by the FBI. Anom, the subscription-based network operated by the feds, was used as the ultimate spy tool that gave an almost godlike view of organized crime to FBI agents who watched users discuss murder, drug deals, and millions of dollars worth of criminal activity. And it all came to a screeching halt this week when a coordinated law enforcement effort around the world took down its customer base. Motherboard reporter Joseph Cox is on the show to talk more details. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So Joseph, this is pretty big news, I got to say. I mean, this is something that uh, made big headlines in the cybersecurity community. But, you know, walk me through this. Basically, the FBI got a hold, I mean, got the internal information of an app and they used it to fight crime. Yeah, I mean, even more so than that, the FBI essentially ran its own encrypted app and encouraged criminals to join it so they can then monitor their communications. In previous instances, we've seen the FBI shut down uh, these encrypted app companies. Uh, in other cases, law enforcement have also hacked the endpoints, the actual phones themselves. But here, the FBI took a different approach of taking over um, an encrypted app in its infancy, very, very early on, if not right at the start, and then organically growing that app to then monitor the users. The FBI was essentially controlling the company, in this case called Anom. So take me back, because there is, there is a strange link between Anom and another instance that we've talked about before, where Phantom Secure was a you know encrypted app co- or crypt- encrypted phone company, and it kind of went under. And then mm-hmm. what happened next? We've published this multi-year-long investigation into Phantom, how it started from very humble roots of just selling phones in nightclubs to celebrities and VIPs, to eventually becoming a preferred platform for organized crime, including apparently members of the Sinaloa cartel. When that uh, phone company is shut down by the FBI, the FBI then move to what they describe as a confidential human source, you know, an informant or whatever it may be. And they were developing their own encrypted app. They had been selling phones for Phantom and for another company called Sky, but they were branching out into their own one called Anom. And this source offered Anom to the FBI for use in ongoing uh, investigations. And what happened there is that the FBI then developed this technical capability where they would attach a master key to all of the messages that would then essentially allow them to see a copy as well. Ordinarily, the messages on these phones and these apps, they're going to be end-to-end encrypted, you know, so only the person on the other end can actually receive the message in a readable form. But in this case, the FBI were also getting a copy of everything. Uh, And ultimately, the FBI says they got something like 27 million messages sent through this encrypted platform over several years. Hundreds of people uh, have been arrested. There's going to be plenty more. And now, almost the the icing on the top of the cake, at least for the FBI, is that because this was running just like an ordinary encrypted phone company, 
they also had employees, you know, people who would update customer subscriptions, uh, people who would actually sell the phones. Now, a load of those people are actually being charged by the FBI for working as part of this company, which was a fake one all along. Wow. So it's basically just like this, like, God mode backdoor. It's sort of like the, it's the, it's the, you know, if we look back on, say, you know, the San Bernardino shooter uh, and, 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 you know, people asking Apple to decrypt or FBI asking Apple to decrypt certain messages. This is like everybody you'd possibly want using the app you created and you wouldn't have to go to a tech company and serve a warrant. You just basically decrypted the messages and watch what you want. Well, even more than that, rather than, you know, going to a tech company and asking them for the information, the FBI became the tech company. In this case, they became the Apple, they became the Facebook or whoever, and they were running the infrastructure that allowed them to look into these messages. And this, you know, this wasn't just metadata or something. This is full on communications between serious organized criminals Uh, in some of the court documents that we've seen that, you know, explicit discussions of large scale cocaine trafficking, Uh, European officials from Europol who also worked in the investigation, they they said there's stuff like public corruption in there. the DOJ said that six law enforcement officers have been arrested for, you know, being suspected of leaking information about investigations to criminals. But when you have this omnipotent view, this sort of, you know, Sauron's eye around the entire criminal infrastructure, you can just see what all of these guys are doing all the time. That's like insane. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, I did not see this coming. I was exceptionally surprised. I mean, again, we've seen them shut them down. We've seen them hack them. Uh, One company, you know, earlier on, uh, a few months ago now, EncroChat, the French authorities deployed uh, malware onto those devices. And that was, you know... uh, controversial, at least in some circles. You know, some lawyers have tried to have evidence of that uh, thrown out just on the sheer breadth of this and the sort of information collected. Those those haven't been largely successful because it has been deemed um, a legal operation, generally speaking. But then even going beyond that, seeing the FBI running this company themselves, I honestly did not see that coming. But the signs were there. You know, in in our multi-year investigation into Phantom, we mentioned that when the FBI had Vince Ramos in a hotel room in Las Vegas, they asked him, look, we want you to put a back door into Phantom. Uh, And he declined uh, at the time, even though he was offered, you know, a reduced sentence if he did that. Um, You know, some people say that he put the privacy of his users first, but I think honestly, he probably didn't have the technical capability um, to do that. He was the CEO, not the CTO, who sort of had, had the knowledge on how to put a backdoor in. But obviously, the FBI were not dissuaded when uh, Vince didn't do that, because they then went on to launch this company themselves, which was, in a way, potentially better anyway. So when Phantom closed down, obviously then people did move to Anon when that was up and running. Sky Secure, um, the other company that this source uh, was selling phones for, that also got shut down by the authorities. And shortly after that, Anon's user base tripled from 3,000 phones to 9,000 phones. So when you close down one of these already established phone companies, the FBI was in an incredible position because they ran the competitor. So, I mean, like, I guess a good question here is why shut it down right now if they have such control over it? Like, I mean, I'm assuming that crime hasn't stopped on it. Why do you think now they decided to, you know, pull the whole rug underneath from everyone's feet? 
That, that's not entirely clear, but there were some quotes in the Australian press, at least from Australian officials, because that's where the Anon project sort of started with a you know a, a beta test of 50 phones. I think they just had what they needed, and it, it was probably time to wrap it up. But you can't run something like this forever, you know, potentially for legal reasons, also just the sheer amount of information you have, and you can't necessarily act on all the information you're collecting all of the time, right? You could use it for intelligence purposes, and it seems they have done, like, oh, this cocaine shipment is going to be coming in this port at this time, we can do that. But then you start to want to do prosecutions, <laughs> you know, and of, of course the legal framework is different in different countries, and, you know, some countries are okay not yeah. presenting um all of the sources of information uh, where the evidence may have come from, but in others you're going to need to present it. And I mean, in these, uh, at least US court documents we got that lay out some of the charges, they do explicitly say, we set up this company and we run it. So now that is out, I imagine authorities around the world can more fruitfully use this information for prosecutions at least. So, I mean, how many criminals have now been sort of taken down by this whole thing? And, and what, what groups were involved in in in, in, in um so various officials, because th- th- there were various conferences, right? The Australian Federal Police, they sort of did their press conference, then Europol, then eventually the DOJ to compensate, I guess, uh, for the for the time difference and that sort of thing. Generally, hundreds have been arrested, but I imagine a lot more are going to be facing charges or, you know, be apprehended because apparently Anon was popular among, or used among something like 300 distinct criminal groups you know maybe that's a very small group in some case maybe that's five people or something like that but in other cases it may be larger as well i mean at its peak it had close to twelve thousand um devices and then of course that fluctuated as i said over time but that was sort of the peak uh, at least at one point uh, potentially not all simultaneously but that's the number of people or devices they had information on and you know it covers biker gangs in australia apparently it covers the italian uh, mafia as well. There aren't that many in the US, it seems. It does seem to be more uh, an Australian focus, a Southeast Asia focus, Eastern Europe, that sort of thing. But now it's uh, the numbers at over 100 countries of where the devices were being used. So basically everywhere (laughs) except the US seems to be impacted by this. And again, I, I did mention this, but they really did stress this in the conferences, the public corruption angle, where officials, you know, government agencies, maybe law enforcement agencies, have been using these devices to communicate with criminals to leak information. And that's something that we saw the EncroChat hack as well. And I imagine that's going to be a particularly aggressive line of prosecution for law enforcement agencies, because obviously they're they're not going to stand uh, for that sort of thing when they have information on it. And this all kind of came to light because of that Australian investigation, correct? Well, it... It was certainly a coordinated disclosure, and the Australians were first coming out with it. I imagine, you know, they were allowed to give the lead on that because, as I said, a large chunk of the users were there, and that's where sort of the program started, at least on the ground. So the Australians did their disclosure, then Europol did theirs, and eventually DOJ. Uh, It seems that the DOJ unsealed the court document maybe a little bit earlier uh, than they could have wanted, and you know, Seamus uh, Hughes uh, on Twitter, who's a who's a researcher and a U.S. court record wizard, sent me the uh, the court record, and that's how ma- we managed to report it actually before the DOJ press conference. But of course, the DOJ can only talk about public records anyway, so it was going to be unsealed at some point. But yes, it it very rapidly trickled out, and I even went to the Anon website, where it was hey. 
You can sign up if you have an invite code. I found some of the old Reddit posts where they announced the company two years ago. Anybody reading that would not have known that was an FBI sting. Uh, but then a few, a few hours later, when I went to go check on the website again, it had been taken down. So this was clearly a very coordinated uh, rollout of uh, this information and the announcement of these prosecutions and, of course, the undercover operation. I guess the question is now, I mean, I, I spoke to you, now, uh, what, probably about a year and a bit ago about Phantom Secure, and then now we have something like a knowledge. Um, what's what's left for the criminal underworld? Is there another company kind of coming up and, and taking this uh, taking the reins for the encrypted device? Because frankly, like if I were a criminal, I'd be very worried about this. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, just to sum it up, Phantom shut down, as I said, Sky as well. And I think they got messages of Sky, uh, EncroChat, Hacks, and then, you know, various smaller other ones in Europe as well. And now when all of those criminals move to Anom, and it turns out that was a honeypot from the start, it's going to shatter the trust that organized criminals have in, in these sorts of companies. And that's not just me saying that. That is explicit in the U.S. court documents that we saw where an FBI agent reads that they wanted to undermine trust in this entire system. You know, there's only so much you can do with doing a whack-a-mole or shutting down these companies. If you can get all of the people, essentially all of the people, or a la- at least a large number of them, onto a company and you can pull the rug from under their feet, it's going to undermine trust in the entire industry. That being said, there are, you know, a very small, a very small handful of companies still around. There's one called Cipher, uh, which has been around for years, and there was actually a competitor to Phantom Secure in Australia. Um, they are still operational. They still have their website. They're still going. Uh, I actually briefly emailed uh, with, with that company, and I'm just waiting on some answers for some questions. But they are still going, and I imagine, if anything, people who are using Anom may then move to cipher. But as you said, maybe it's time for criminals to sort of leave this industry behind. But I don't know if they're going to do that. When it comes to these phones, honestly, they would be more successful if they used an iPhone with signal with a long passcode. That would be almost infinitely more secure than the sort of bog standard Android handsets, which you're then loading with an app (laughs) that was secretly run by the FBI. But serious organized criminals don't do that. They perceive it as, if I pay $2,000 or $1,500 for a six-month subscription to this company that says it's based in Panama, well, that looks a lot more trusty than Apple that, you know, the criminals believe work in law enforcement. And that will be true in some cases, but also not in a lot as well. Um, So, you know, we'll see what the criminals do, but they have been pretty foolish to, to trust these companies for so long. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, they could just do what the Taliban and the cartels in Mexico do and just turn to, you know, the radio, the the walkie-talkie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I mean, in some cases that could be beneficial, but it really just does depend, of course, on what you need to do, right? I mean, a walkie-talkie would be great um, on a local level. Internationally, it's not going to be possible. But these these people... They do have solutions, and, you know, it's Signal. It's potentially Wicker. It's whatever they want. It's an established, encrypted, um, uh, secure app, but they don't use them to a large extent, at least on the sort of level that maybe they should do if they wanted, obviously, to remain free. Well, uh, this is definitely a developing story. Uh, Thank you for coming on, and... I, you're going to be on again in like a year talking about a different app. <laughs> yes, I imagine so. Just when I thought I was done with encrypted phones, they pull me straight back in uh, with like with an even exactly. bigger <laughs> uh, story. So uh, yes, thank you. I appreciate it.
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So, Lorenzo, it is very hot in New York City, I gotta tell you. It is indeed. I guess summer's here. Crazy summer. Yeah, I am burning up now. I'm burning up. Now it's back to that classic apartment burning up record where I'm sweating uh, profusely as I speak to you now. Yeah, we should do this from the beach at some point, I guess. Yeah, we should do it from the beach at some point. I think that would be really amazing audio quality. You wouldn't get any wind. Uh, you know, it would be great. Yeah, a- ambient sound, I guess. Isn't that what they... Yeah. We're also about to go into that sleepy season for cyber because it's the summer and hackers all go to sleep, right? Some of them do. A lot of the teenage ones uh, get very, very active. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? I think also didn't WannaCry happen in the summer? Yeah, WannaCry was the summer... It was a summer hit. Yeah, the Russian, summer hits. Russian 2016 hack was summer, obviously. Oh, uh, true. I guess summer summer does bring some of the greatest hits. Yeah. And speaking of a, of a recent greatest hits in terms of uh, a big-time hack, uh, the Colonial Pipeline ransomware, the actual money for it, somehow the U.S. government recovered it. Yeah, this was a, a huge story. The FBI announced that they... We're able to get the money back. You know, this is a few weeks after we found out that Colonial had paid the ransom almost immediately to the hackers. Uh, I think it was something like around $5 million in Bitcoin, which a lot of people criticized because, you know, obviously they were like, you shouldn't pay ransom to hackers. And yeah, somehow the FBI got it back. And, you know, one of the most interesting questions here is how they did it. And at this point, we don't know. They have no idea. I mean, I saw them that they were like tracking the money or tracking something all the way to like New Zealand. And like it was like this weird rabbit, like rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, in this case is, uh, you know, the FBI, law enforcement or even private companies can definitely trace the Bitcoin, you know, as the blockchain is essentially public. Anyone can do that. The big question here is like, how did they get the key? the private key to the wallet that the hackers were using. And the FBI is very is being very coy about it. They said that they can do this again, that they could do this again. They didn't want to say how. Uh, a lot of people have speculated that it was probably because the hackers used a, a US service, like a Coinbase kind of service. So the FBI just had to serve a warrant and Coinbase gave the keys. Uh, but uh, Kevin Collier over at NBC Uh, said that that was not the case, according to one of his sources. So maybe the FBI is a secret hack, you know, and they don't want to tell us, and they don't want to tell us because they don't want to tip off the hackers. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, do they have some sort of O-Day we don't know about? 
I mean, that would be very cool. And in a way, you know, like I understand why the FBI wouldn't want to talk about it. Uh, I think as the case goes forward, at some point they will they will have to. You know, there's there's court orders involved, there's lawyers involved. So, yeah, I think we're gonna find out, and it's gonna be a very interesting answer to this question. So this next one, our one of the editors, one of the new editors on Motherboard, our, our, our friend of the show, Timothy Marshman, he tweeted that this scoop was like the Moby Dick of journalism. I think he's probably right. So ProPublica was able to get a hold of not just a like one person, one massively rich, one zero point zero zero one percenter, like Jeff Bezos, the Amazon Titan and their IRS information, but many, including people like Elon Musk, Michael Bloomberg, all of these, you know, these, these billionaires who've like profited off of the tech industry. And one of the things that they really found was that they're not paying much in personal income tax like the rest of us are. Yeah, this is a story that it's very hard not to get really mad when you read it. And it's an amazing scoop by ProPublica. You know, in a way, it's it's not surprising. You know, we heard about Donald Trump paying almost no taxes. Uh, even years ago, there was a lot of controversy around uh, Mitt Romney paying very little taxes. But, you know, as ProPublica has argued in their stories, um, and they had even a, a separate piece where they explained why they reported this and how they considered, you know, everything from, what well, did this come from a hack? Did this... You know, what's the agenda of the source? You know, the story here is that this is so normal that it's fucked up. Like, we need to, you know, we need to show the details of how this works so that people can understand how the rich are getting away with not paying any taxes. And this is all legal. Exactly. I think that's that's the crazy part, because you mentioned the Donald Trump stuff and, you know, when that happened, it was kind of considered this one-off because, you know, the tax code was seen to have, you know, it was, it was very rightly pointed out by a lot of people, the tax code does benefit real estate developers. But this is an example of, you know, every type of billionaire is profiting off of the U.S. tax system and the fact that they're just not reporting and paying like far, far, like insane amounts more than, you know, people, regular people like you and I, Lorenzo. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, it seems like the tax code is good for rich people. You know, this is not a bug, it's a feature. Biden is, uh, the Biden administration is proposing to raise some taxes by like, you know, 2%, something like that. And a lot of a lot of wealthy people and wealthy companies are complaining that this is going to kill the economy, that this is going to slow down uh, job high. Uh, that this is going to slow down hiring people and stuff like that. And when you read a story like this ProPublica one, these all just sound like really bad excuses. I mean, it's it's insane. Like in 2015, Elon Musk, like the tech billionaire extraordinaire, paid $68,000 in federal income taxes. 2017, $65,000. Uh, 2018, he, oh, wow, he paid no federal income taxes. That's, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, this is, I just, like, I can't read this and not wonder, how is this even possible? And the fact that it's all legal is just maddening. 
It just well, I, it's and, and they always say it's. I mean, you know, like the IRS when they go after people. I think this is like a, an admission the IRS even made itself in some instances that it goes after a lot of people for you know it audits quite a few people uh, and often it audits people that are not millionaires or billionaires because it's actually harder to audit those people. So they target people who are ch- tax cheats, who are you know lower down the the echelon of of of, of income earners. And it's just like what. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah, n- I mean, n- nothing about this system seems to be working well. There should be no. higher taxes for rich people. They should be held more accountable if they don't pay taxes. And, you know, th- it really seems like the only solution is better law. But every time someone tries to raise taxes or change tax, ta- the tax code, it just gets killed because, you know, because of the economy. That is the excuse. And it's yep. just... We just need to do better than that. We do. Now, as we cue the music for UFOs. The and awaiting this long, this long seen unseen report (laughs) that the US government is going to be releasing about UFOs. I think it's coming like next week, right? Yeah, it should be coming out soon. Just a matter of days. Yes, there's some people that say that it's not going to be that revelatory, but one of the things that that there's been some suspicion about is that now people are accusing these UFOs of being hypersonic missiles, which is kind of, which is insane uh, for a lot of reasons. And the way, as we pointed out on on Motherboard, so basically the idea of it is hypersonic missiles are these like hyper-fast second strike nuclear technologies that would allow you to sort of evade your your adversary's uh, missile defense system in some sort of potential nuclear war. So the only countries that are really close to getting these are, you know, Russia, China, the U.S. And basically, some people are, are saying that these these encounters with missiles, with these weird UFOs, are these hypersonic missile tests from Russia or China. Now, which, you know, the Motherboard article very rightly points out, there's a lot of reasons why that's not true. For one... Those missiles are based on propulsion, like actual, like you see the tail of it, like you see the fiery smoldering missile tail of a hypersonic missile or hypersonic uh, vehicle for that matter. If you refer to the UFO videos, which we've talked about a million times, this is just a floating orb. Big difference. Yeah, just the the details just don't seem to add up. Uh, The... um... Tim's story is based on um, a scoop by the New York Times that uh, was cited, cited a, an anonymous defense official saying that they, they suspect that these are hypersonic missiles or some sort of hypersonic technology. But Tim spoke to one of the ex, one of the foremost experts in the world on this kind of technology. And, and he said that it just doesn't, this just doesn't make sense because as you said, uh, this kind of missiles and would just move differently. And um, Navy pilots that have uh, reported UFO sightings uh, talk about talk about these uh, UFOs moving quickly, you know, making quick turns. And this is just not feasible with this technology. Essentially, this technology does not exist right now, and it, and it wouldn't explain these sightings. So Tim's argument is that it's actually way more likely that these were that this was alien technology than some super secret Russian or Chinese program. 
Yeah, I just have a tough time believing that it is. If anything, if I mean, if it's any government in the entire world, it's 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 the U.S. Like the other thing that that people have to remember is the U.S. outspends in terms of defense budget, like the next five countries combined behind it. So let's say that you know it is Russia or China who've who've got this insane hypersonic vehicle. I mean, that means the Pentagon has been seriously fucking up for years. <laughs> and in <laughs> like, many ways, right? Like, like, in many ways. Like, I mean, not like there's a myriad ways that people could say that they've screwed up. But, like, if that's your expenditure and, like, those two countries behind you got it before you did, I mean, like, what's up, dude? Like, really? Yeah, also, are you? how are you not aware of this, you know, amazing program that... About yeah. this amazing technology that you're interested in as well, the Trump administration and the Biden administration um, are going to spend a lot of money on this, on you know, hypersonic technology. So, how did you not know about this? It just seems, it just doesn't seem to make sense. No, it just makes no sense. All right, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to that report finally coming out. We'll probably devote an entire episode, or I'll just devote my life to it. But um, yeah. So I, I guess I'll, I'll hear from you next week, Mr. Lozo. Yeah, I mean, the truth is still out there. It, it is. It's, it is. I'm going to watch X-Files this weekend, actually. It's uh, probably worth rewatching, I guess. Yeah, I think it's worth a rewatch. All right, I'll catch you later. Talk to you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.